morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our series entitled Stories Jesus Told. We like stories. We tell stories. We hear stories. We watch stories. Jesus told stories. They're called parables. And as we've seen, parables are these earthly stories that Jesus told, but they convey a heavenly truth. They convey a spiritual meaning. Jesus isn't simply about entertaining. Jesus is about encouraging and teaching. And so these earthly stories have heavenly truths. These short stories, he tells, has great, big, meaningful ideas. So we've looked at uh, the loving Heavenly Father. We've seen that in the parable of the prodigal son. Last week together, uh, we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan checking out true compassion in action. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. As a little bit later, we'll be exploring the topic of forgiveness. So while you're turning there and your copy of God's Word... Understand this story. There's a man by the name of Joe. Old Joe was dying. For years he had been at odds with Bill, formerly one of his best friends. Wanting to straighten things out, he sent word for Bill to come and see him. When Bill arrived, Joe told him he was afraid to go into eternity with such bad feelings between them. So reluctantly and with great effort, Joe apologized for everything he had said and done to Bill. He also assured him that he forgave Bill for all of his offenses. Everything seemed fine until Bill turned to go and leave the room. And as he walked out, Joe called after him and he said, But remember, if I get better, none of this counts. That doesn't seem like incredible act of forgiveness, does it? C.S. Lewis put it like this. Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. In other words, you and I, we want to be forgiven. When we mess up, when we say something, when we do something to someone else, we want them to forgive us. I mean, you know I didn't mean it. You know that I'm sorry. You know, you know, you know. But when we do something and, and someone does something to us, and it's up to us to be a little forgiving, we often find it a little more difficult. We want to be forgiven, but we have a harder time to do the forgiving. In the Old Testament, the words for forgive and forgiveness, they're a translation of three different Hebrew words, and they've all got a somewhat similar meaning. They mean to cover, to purge, to pardon, or to lift someone up. You go to the New Testament, and you see four of the main words used in Greek convey a similar meaning, the feeling of letting go, of canceling a debt, of being set free, of release, and of pardon. Old Testament, New Testament, the concepts behind those words, forgive and forgiveness. Now understand, forgiveness is not simply forgetting. When you forgive, 
Know that your, your brain doesn't just kind of black out and somehow overlook what you've just forgiven. The truth is, sometimes we're hurt so badly, it's challenging to forget. True? It's hard to forget, but we need to choose to stop remembering it so often. Forgiveness is also not excusing the sin. It doesn't mean pretending that nothing happened and everything's okay because, you know what? Something probably did happen, and something might not be okay. So there's a number of things that forgiveness is not. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, check out a story that Jesus told yet another parable, and look at some biblical principles of forgiveness. First principle is this, you and I need to forgive without limits. Forgive without limits. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, it says, Peter came to Jesus and asked a question. Now, you and I, if you're hanging out with Jesus, you would have that opportunity to ask questions. And so Peter's, you know, there's something on his mind. He says, Jesus, I've got a question for you. How many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? That's a good question, right? That, that's something you and I would wonder. I mean, how many times, Jesus? And then he, he gives a number. He says, Jesus, how about up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, uh, the wording and phrasing here, I believe, is the only time there in the New Testament. And, and some would say it's 70 times 7. Others would say it's 77. So the 70 and the 7 together, is it adding it? Is it multiplying? The question is, Jesus heightened the answer of the question that Peter gave. It, it's a common question. We'd want to know, how many times do I need to forgive someone? And we might think that, Peter's suggestion is a little bit silly. I mean, we've already heard the parable. We've already heard Jesus answer 70 times 7, and, and we think 7 seems so petty and insignificant. Check this out, though. In Jesus' day and culture, the rabbis, the religious leaders, were teaching that you were to forgive someone up to three times. Anything over that, and guess what? That person who's wanting forgiveness, they were probably not that sincere. They were probably not that serious. So you would forgive up to three times. And think about that. Someone does you wrong. They hurt you. Man, it might be everything within you to try to reach out and forgive them. And then they come and maybe do the very same thing a second time. And you go through all those feelings and thoughts and emotions, but you venture out and you forgive them a second time. And they do it a third time. And you forgive them three, and you're thinking, man, how many times am I going to do this? Because they seem to keep doing it. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, <laughs> oh, shame on me. That's a, the kind of thought of the day, right? And so the, the rabbis were teaching, hey, three is a good number, but beyond that, they're probably not serious, they're not sincere, they're not genuine. So Peter understands what's being taught. Rabbis are teaching three. In Peter's eyes, he's doing pretty good. He's, he's taking what the rabbis are teaching, 
doubling it to six and adding one for good measure. I mean, Peter, he about threw his back out, patting himself on the back, right? He's feeling pretty good about himself. I mean, I know what you're going to say, Jesus. The rabbis, these leaders, they're teaching three. So let me look good. Let me, let me kind of, you know, teacher's pet. Let me kind of brown nose a little bit. I'm saying, you know, seven. I mean, rabbis are saying three, but I'm, I'm saying seven. How about it, Jesus? He's probably expecting, again, Jesus to come. And after he's done patting himself on the back, Jesus come up, pat him on the back, and say, man, you did good. You are awesome, Peter. Instead, what does he say? Seventy times seven. Now, was Jesus literally saying the number's not three, the number is 490? Because that's 70 times seven. Is Jesus saying, okay, you got to get a clicker. You need to develop an app for your smartphone, Peter. And every time somebody sins against you and forgive them, hit the plus one. You know, what comes to mind, obviously, we're still somewhat at the end of the whole and continuation of the whole COVID thing. But if you remember, back in the last year or two, as COVID was, was kind of in its height, if you went shopping into a mall, and obviously you had, masks, you had masks on, but you had people standing outside the door to the mall, stopping you before you came in, because there was a limit on how many people could be in the store. You remember that? And some of them had cell phones or tablets, and, and it, it was, was interesting. I mean, first of all, there was a limit, you know, because we know COVID is smart, and if there's less than a number of people in there, it can't get in. I'm being facetious. But what's interesting is there would be a cell phone or there would be an iPad, and there would be somebody there who was hitting plus one, minus one, plus one. They were keeping track of everybody in the store. Jesus isn't advocating to get your cell phone out, to get your iPad out, and hit plus one every time you forgive, all the way up to 490 times. Jesus isn't saying literally 490 is it. He's saying forgive without limits. Have a heart of forgiveness. You're not putting a number on it. You're not putting a limit on it. Don't keep score. He says, forgive. It's not three that the rabbis say. It's not even seven that you're suggesting, Peter. That's great. Seventy times seven, seventy-seven. He's using this incredibly high number to say, you don't put a number on it. You don't put a limit on the forgiveness. Because if you're, if you're reaching that high anyway and you're keeping track, you're a little bit... Maybe a little bit of petty in there, but if you were serious about forgiving that many times, you're probably going to develop a habit of forgiveness. So he's saying it's, it's not about the number. It's not about the plus one or about the minus one. It's about a heart that forgives. Forgive without limits. The point is don't keep track. The point is don't keep score. The point is not one, two, three, and you're done. The point is to forgive. Forgiveness, much like grace, as he talks about, it's not deserved. It's not merited. 
And sometimes it's a little unfair. I mean, that's not fair, Jesus, to keep forgiving again and again and again. How fair is it that we keep messing up again and again and again and say, oh, forgive me, <laughs> but I won't forgive you. Jesus said, forgive without limits. No matter how big the offense or how small the offense, forgive without limits. No matter how frequent the offense. We're not putting a limit. We're not putting a, a number. We're not capping it. He's simply saying, first principle here is to forgive without limits. But then secondly, he, he jumps into the story and encourages us to remember God's forgiveness. Second principle is to remember God's forgiveness. Verse 23, he says, Therefore, in light of what we've just said, Peter, in light of your question, in light of my response, 77, 70 times 7, in light of the fact we're to forgive without limits, let me tell you a story. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like, like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So he, he's got a number of people. They owe him a lot of money. He's probably not going to get it all back, but he wants to get some of what he is owed back. So verse 24, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, let's stop right there. Because when we hear 10,000 talents, our automatic uh, American thought thinks $10,000 that's, that's typically what we think, $10,000. And we think, well, $10,000, it's a good number, but it doesn't seem astronomical. It doesn't seem out of sight. Well, understand 10,000 talents is a huge debt. The man was helpless and hopeless. Uh, put, it, put it to you like this in more of a, a modern story. A number of years ago in New Hampshire, a man named Josh Musinski stopped at a gas station and bought a pack of cigarettes with his debit card. A few hours later, he was checking his online bank account, and he found that this particular pack of cigarettes set him back a massive amount. In fact, here's the amount of money that it set him back. 23 quadrillion, 148 trillion, 855 billion, 308 million, 184,500 dollars. Someone was wanting him not to be smoking. You want to talk about a debt? I mean, to, to put that in more perspective, if he took all the money from all the countries that are in the United Nations, you still wouldn't have enough money to buy that one packet of cigarettes. Needless to say, he called the bank to try to get things straightened out, right? Because there's no way he could pay that. Now we look at that number and we laugh and we say, that's an incredibly high amount. You're right. But let's check out what Jesus really means. When he said 10,000 talents, don't think in our American mind, $10,000. Let's take a crash course in first century Roman currency. Take a typical job. One day's wages is equal to one denarius. You work for 100 days and you can turn 100 denarii into a mina. Save up 60 minas, and you trade them in for one 
talent. So in other words, one talent is 6,000 denarii, which is 6,000 days wages, or roughly 23 years. That's assuming five days a week. One talent would be about 23 years worth. A little different than a thousand bucks, right? We think 10,000 talents, 10,000 bucks. Not so much because a talent is maybe 23 years worth. Or put it this way, minimum wage. Minimum wage currently at $9.30 an hour times eight hours a day times five days in a week times 52 weeks in a year times that 23 years. You're going to get roughly today $450,000 for a talent. Now, how many talents did the man owe? 10,000 talents. All right, so let, let's do some math, okay? 10,000 talents at about $450,000 per talent. 4.5 billion with a B dollars. Now, you can slice this, dice this, whether you're talking about day's wages or you're talking about uh, the, the weight and, and whether that weight is in gold. The fact of the matter is Jesus is saying, this man owed a whole lot of money. It was hopeless. He felt helpless and could not pay. Right? The man's debt was huge. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Mark, how in the world do you run up a debt $4.5 billion with a B dollars? That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is the debt was so high, this man could not pay. True? And what he's saying is this, verse 25, since he was not able to pay, and I think that's a pretty good assumption, if you're owing $4.5 billion or anywhere close, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. I mean, he did what you and I would do, which is beg. Right? He begged. He said, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. I mean, he's desperate. Can you imagine? I mean, he realizes he ran up some debts that he shouldn't have, but now they're talking about taking everything he has and taking his wife and taking his kids and him, selling it off and at least getting something towards the debt. Can you imagine? My family is going to pay for something I did. He said, be patient, and I'll pay back everything. Now, the, the king, he's thinking, there's, there's no way this is going to happen. But verse 27, the master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. The king was moved. He, he had pity on him. Other verses says he was moved with compassion, kind of tying into what we were talking about last week. Compassion. He does above and beyond what the man asked for. The man simply said, have mercy on me. Give me some more time. And I'll figure out how to pay. I, I, I'm not sure how I got such a high 
bill, such a high debt. I don't know how I'm going to pay it off, but give me some time. What did he ask for? Time. Don't, don't put me in jail. Don't put me in prison. Not only does he release him from prison, it says he forgives or he cancels all of the debt. Can you imagine the great personal cost to the king? You've got a bill for $4.5 billion. That would really help your kingdom out. And you're saying, yeah, I'm going to cancel it and forgive it. If you're in business, it might not make the most business sense to cancel or to forgive an incredible debt like that. That's what the king does. And now the man owes him nothing. This is what forgiveness is all about. And he's, he's encouraging us, Jesus, in the story. He's saying, remember God's forgiveness. In a sense, that's what God has done for you. Forgiving the debt, canceling the debt, wiping and washing that slate clean for you and I. The servant, he, he didn't deserve the forgiveness. There, there's nothing he could do that said, I'm so awesome, forgive my debt. It was grace. It was mercy on the king's part. You catching the story? Jesus says, it's grace and it's mercy on our heavenly father's part who would cancel the debt, who would forgive the debt. Yes, it was at an extraordinarily high cost. His son, Jesus Christ. As he died upon the cross of Calvary to pay that debt for you. He said, I'm canceling it. I'm forgiving it. Jesus talking about 10,000 talents. It's a massive, almost an absurdly high number. Because listen, if Jesus put something in there that seemed manageable or seemed reachable, and, and we said, hey, it's you know $100,000 or it's a million dollars, you say, well, well, that's a whole lot of money. But there's probably some fashion or some way over the next however many years that we might possibly be able to earn it. But when it's 10,000 talents, and you're not just talking about thousands of dollars or not even millions, but perhaps even into the billions. In other words, there's no way, absolutely no way you or I could pay the debt. And Jesus is saying, that's what our Heavenly Father's done. He's canceled the debt. He's forgiven our sins. Scriptures talk about how you and I are forgiven of sins. Look at Isaiah 55, 7. It says, God will abundantly pardon our sins. Psalm 103, 12 says, God removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah 1.18 says, God cleanses our sins as white as snow. Micah 7.19 says, our sins are thrown into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 43.25 says that God blots out our transgressions. Colossians 2.14 says, our sins have been nailed to the cross. Over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, God is clear in his word. His love, his mercy, his compassion, his grace extend towards you and extend toward me. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God forgives, and he forgives us completely. We've got an incredible sin problem. 
Unfortunately, as humans, we're really, really good at sin. The good news, though, is that God's grace, God's love, and God's forgiveness is even bigger. God wants to encourage you and I to remember the scope and the size of his forgiveness. You and I have a massive debt. We can't pay it. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, paid it, canceled it, pardoned the debt. Third and final biblical principle that Jesus shares with us is this. You and I need to choose to forgive. We must choose to forgive. So verse 28, we're following the same servant who had a massive debt he could not pay, that the king forgave and canceled, that very same servant went out, verse 28, and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Again, one denarius is about one day's wages. So this man owed him about a hundred days. So think about what somebody, what you or somebody might earn in a year. This is maybe a third or a fourth of that. So it's a decent amount. You know, let's not minimize it and say he owed him a buck or 10 bucks. He owed him a decent amount. But was it 10,000 talents? No. 100 denarii, 100 days wages. A decent yet somewhat manageable, able to pay amount. But what did he do? Jesus' story says he grabbed him and began to choke him. Can you imagine? The man who had just been forgiven 4.5 billion with a B dollars is choking somebody out over a third or a fourth of a year's wages. What does he yell? Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. And I will pay it back. Anything about that, ring a bell. Anything at all sound familiar? You know, the falling to his knees, the begging, the please be patient, I'll pay it back. Back up just a handful of verses. It's almost word for word what this man, what this first servant had done. True? But in verse 30, his response is he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. He was forgiven $4.5 billion, but he turns around and has a man imprisoned because he owed him a number of $1,000, so to speak. But verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? What's the answer? The answer is yes. It's not a rhetorical question. Jesus says, shouldn't, shouldn't you have had the same mercy I have? Your debt was a whole lot bigger than his. I canceled yours. 
Why can't you cancel his? He's saying, you and I must choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a decision. It's often difficult, right? It's not automatic because what happens automatic is we think, I want to hold a grudge. I want to remember. It's hard for me to forgive. I'm certainly not going to forget, but I'm going to struggle with the forgiving part. This is a decision God made on your behalf and God made on my behalf to cleanse and to forgive. It's a decision that God made for you and that God made for me well before we committed the sin. He provided that opportunity. Jesus Christ died upon the cross for you and for me. He didn't forgive us because we're so awesome and we deserve it. I mean, I'm looking out. There, there are some awesome people in this church. But there's nothing that you've done that deserve forgiveness. It was a choice. It was a decision. He loved you, cared about you, and has forgiven. He chose to. Forgiven people must choose to forgive. You and I have been forgiven of all of our sins. We've been forgiven of everything that we've done. Surely we can forgive someone for something they have done. He's saying, choose to forgive. God loves you. God loves me so much. He's wiped the slate clean. He's canceled our entire debt. Certainly, we in response can forgive others. Put our mess ups. Put our sins into perspective. He's forgiven absolutely everything in us. It's an enormous debt. I mean, kind of like that amount of money that the man had in his account from the pack of cigarettes, it, it seemed astronomical. 10,000 talents, if you were to multiply it out, perhaps 4.5 billion with a B, astronomical. Seems no physical, rational way to pay something like that back. It's the same thing with you and I. There's no way we can pay it back. We can't do enough to earn or deserve forgiveness, but God gives it. God's love, God's compassion, he forgives you and he forgives me. Remember that enormous debt that God has forgiven you. Maybe that'll help us to have a little better perspective of those who have wronged us. Does it hurt when we are wronged? It does. It certainly doesn't mean it's easy to forgive. Don't, don't minimize that and don't hear that. Not saying that it's easy to forgive. God's saying we need to choose to forgive. He's forgiven everything in us. We choose to forgive. Jesus gives us the rest of the story. The result, verse 34, it says, The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. He was forgiven $4.5 billion. He was forgiven the 10,000 talents. He was forgiven the astronomical figure. No way he could pay it. But he didn't have forgiveness of his own. 
He was thrown back into prison, held to pay that debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. In other words, God has forgiven us such a huge debt. Anything owed to us is incredibly insignificant in comparison. Doesn't mean it's easy to forgive, but in comparison with everything we've been forgiven, it's incredibly less. So we are to forgive. William Barclay said, The point is, nothing that others could do to us can in any way compare with what we have done to God. God's forgiven everything. Now, I mean, looking out, I know there's some great people in here, some godly people in here, but guess what? In your lifetime, I'm going to venture to say there's some sin. No matter how great of a person you might be, there's a lifetime of sin, and God has chosen to forgive it all. So in response, forgive someone else. Forgiving others, it's evidence we've been forgiven because forgiving, forgiven people are to forgive others. Habitual unforgiveness perhaps displays that our heart hasn't truly been touched by the love of Jesus. Many times we struggle. And, and the more and more that we struggle to forgive others, perhaps it's saying we've struggled to allow him to truly cleanse and forgive us. We're, we're having trouble receiving that. So, Jesus tells this story, and he says, listen, you and I are to forgive without limits. Don't put a number, forgive. Or to remember God's forgiveness. It's massive. It's incredible. We had a, a high debt that there's no way we could pay. And God cleansed. God forgave. God wiped the slate clean. Remember his forgiveness and then choose to forgive others.